This podcast is a production of Faith Living Church. If you like what you hear, join us for church sometime at our Plantsville, Connecticut location, Saturdays, 6 p.m. or Sundays, 9 and 11 a.m. or online anytime at faithlivingchurch.com. So today we're going to talk about up on the mountain, going to high ground. Um, as you know, we have a mountain in our backyard, and so uh, just looking at our back door is a constantly reminder and, and really a constant invitation from God to come, come on up, come up higher, you know, come up to a higher relationship. Uh, and, you know, it's, a, it's an amazing thing when we recognize that tug in our hearts. And I think if, if we're still long enough every day, we'll sense that tug in our hearts to come closer to God, to spend time in his word, to spend time in prayer, to spend time in worship and praise, to spend time in fellowship so that we'll grow closer to him. Well, let's take a look at Moses. And uh, he chose to go to higher ground, to high ground. In Exodus chapter 24, verse 9, it says, Then Moses, Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu and the 70 elders of Israel climbed up the mountain again. So it says this word again. So that means they've done it before. This was something that they had previously done was to climb up the mountain. And now they're doing it again. But this time, there's something different going to happen when they go up on the mountain. There they saw the God of Israel. Now, seeing the God of Israel was not an everyday occurrence. And usually, if, and, and through the scriptures, we saw that if, if you did see the God of Israel, you would you wouldn't live through it. You know, just the power of seeing him would basically, you would go on to be with him because just the, the power of his presence. But it says, there they saw the God of Israel. Under his feet, there seemed to be a surface of brilliant blue lapis lazuli, which is basically sapphire, as clear as the sky itself. And though these nobles of Israel gazed Upon God. So they saw him with their physical eyes. He was physically present there. It wasn't just a vision. He was physically present there. Though they saw God, he did not destroy them. So this, this was a different experience. This was something uh, different and special. They saw God, but they were not destroyed. And it goes on to say, in fact, they ate a covenant meal, eating and drinking in his presence. You know, what, a, what an awesome meal that must have been. Can you imagine just to hang out with God on the mountain and him physically being there, the God of Israel? Uh, they had an encounter with God. They had a, an experience with God that, that I don't think anybody else has ever had that same experience since that time. This was a one time thing of actually having God physically there in their presence and it not destroying them. It says, and the Lord said to Moses, come up to me on the mountain. Wow. To hear God say that to us, come on up, you know, come up to me on the mountain. But I really think that God is speaking that to us on a daily basis. He's encouraging us to, to come up, come up to high ground, come up to spend some time with him. Leave all the things here on this earth that kind of pull at us and drag us down and to come and to spend time with him. Um, does God ever beckon you? Do you feel that tug? When he beckons you in that way, let's go on to high ground. Let's go up to be with him. Um, it goes on to say, let's, we'll start back in verse 12. Then the Lord said to Moses, come up to me on the mountain. Stay there and I will give you the tablets of stone on which I have inscribed the instructions and commands so that you can t 
so you can teach the people. So this was something very special. God was getting ready to give Moses the Ten Commandments. He was going to give him them written on stone. And this was a, a very important meeting with God. This was not just, again, some everyday occurrence. It was a special time that God was calling Moses up on the mountain, and he was going to give us the Ten Commandments. Um, you know, growing up, I always I enjoyed when we got to the ocean, but we, we lived, even though we lived in um, North and South Carolina, uh, for most of my growing up years, we were far inland. We weren't living on the ocean. So every once in a while, we would go, you know, to the shore, but it wasn't very often. And I, I enjoyed it, but my preference was the mountains. Even in North Carolina, we lived in the foothills, and then um, I always wanted to live in the mountains. And, and then um, my junior, right before my junior year of high school, my, my school, my dad came home and said, we're moving. We're moving to Southwest Virginia. And I'm like, yes. You know, so I was so excited. And we lived in the southwestern mountains of Virginia and uh, for my last two years of high school. And uh, I, I loved it, you know, being surrounded by the mountains. And we had a mountain. Uh, there was a stream uh, beyond a pasture in our backyard. And then there was a mountain. It wasn't a huge mountain right there, but uh, it was... Uh, a safe place for me to go by myself because it was just, you know, right in the backyard. And I love to go up there and spend time with God. And, um, but now we have a huge mountain in our backyard. Our, our uh, yard um, is, is kind of small, our backyard, but then it goes up, you know, a, a very steep incline up Ragged Mountain and, and up to Small Cliff. And then it, our property actually goes over Small Cliff. And, and then there's a wildlife sanctuary, uh, you know, up there. Our property is not a wildlife sanctuary, though. If they step a foot on our, gra our ground, they better watch out. But anyway, it, during hunting season, of course. But anyway, so, um, but it's a beautiful place. And we have it right in our backyard. And we can, you know, uh, we can see it constantly. And we can uh, take advantage of hiking up it. And especially Pastor Ron does that to the ultimate. You know, he takes advantage of that mountain, of getting up there and spending time with God praying on that mountain. And um, so Moses went up to the mountain to learn. He went up to, on the mountain to learn God's ways. And that's what God was going to give him, the Ten Commandments. He went up there to learn that God's ways are really higher than our ways and God's thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And it says that in Isaiah chapter 55, verse 8. God is speaking here, and he says, My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, my ways are higher. His ways are high ground. My ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher. His thoughts are higher, high ground, than your thoughts you know, God's ways are so much different than ours. You know, we even read in the scriptures where he says to bless those that curse you. That's not the human nature to do that, to bless those that curse you. He says to pray for those that despitefully use you. People that would say all manner of evil against you and persecute you. He says to pray for them. He tells us to turn the other cheek. Just those few little pieces of scripture show us that God's thoughts are a lot higher than our thoughts and that his ways are a lot higher than our ways and that we can learn his ways. And that's the, that's the goal of our journey with God, our walk with God, is to learn his ways and to walk in his ways. 
In verse 10 in Isaiah 55, it says, The rain and the snow come down from the heavens. They bring life, and then they bring life, and they stay on the ground to water the earth. They cause the grain to grow, producing seed for the farmer and bread for the hungry. And then God goes on to say, just like the rain and the snow come down to water the earth and to bring life, he, he said, it is the same with my word. I send it out and it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all that I want it to and it will prosper everywhere I send it. So when God sends his word out, it's, it's going out for a purpose. You know, it's just like a, a seed uh, if you put a seed in the soil and then you go dig it back up the next day, it's not going to really accomplish anything. But when we receive God's word as a seed in our heart, we need to think about it. We need to meditate on it. We need to memorize it. We need to act on it. And it says that when God sends his word out, it does three things. It says, number one, it always produces fruit. So when we receive God's word into our hearts, here on uh, the weekend services or when we uh, read God's word daily, it will produce fruit in our lives. That's, that's how he's created it. It's going to produce fruit in our lives. Number two, it always accomplishes what God sent it to do. It is God's will. So it's going to accomplish God's will in our lives when we receive the seed of God's word. And it always prospers. It says it will prosper everywhere I send it. So as we receive God's word, it's going to do what it's supposed to do. It's going to prosper in our hearts and it's going to transform our lives. And that's an amazing thing about God's word. You know, I, I know in, in ministry, you know, sometimes we are, you know, people want to meet with us and, and they're asking for counsel in different areas of their lives or whatever, you know, and we have nothing to offer except for God's word. You know, nothing else will really work. Nothing else will do any good except for the counsel of God's word. So, you know, that's, that's what we share with people because God's word will transform. God's word will set people free. God's word will, will, will bring healing. God's word will restore. God's word will, will, will heal broken hearts. So it's his word that produces fruit. It accomplishes God's will and it will prosper. So it should be a priority in our life. And that's part of the way that we go to higher ground is to spend time in his word on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, are you allowing God's word to change your thoughts? Because it will change our thinking. As we spend time in God's word, we'll begin to think We'll begin to think like God thinks, you know. Will we allow his perspective to become our own perspective? You know, that's one thing about being up on a mountain. You can see a lot further than you can see when you're just down in the valley. You've got a broader perspective. You've got a clearer view. And that's what God would have us to see in his word. And as we go up higher to high ground to be with him, it says... Um, here that, that his word will prosper everywhere he sends it. So those higher thoughts and those higher ways, as we begin to allow his ways and his thoughts to become our own, it will change our perspective. It will change the way we live. It will change the way we do things. It actually empowers us. God's word empowers us to change. And it will produce fruit. It will accomplish God's will. And it will prosper in every way. Um, you know, we, we need to ask God daily to teach us. You know, it's one thing to read the scriptures and it's another thing to really 
as we're reading the scriptures and before we read the scriptures to stop and ask God, Lord, teach me through your word today. Speak to me the things that you want to show me through your word, that my thoughts will be more like your thoughts and that my ways will be more like your ways. You know, instead of reacting to all the circumstances that we face on a day-to-day basis because we all face all different kinds of circumstances, some good and some bad. And instead of just reacting to those circumstances, I believe that we need to stop right where we are when we're faced, especially with adverse circumstances, that we need to stop and ask God, Lord, how do you want me to respond to this? How would, instead of reacting, how would you want me to respond? And, and he will oftentimes bring his word back to our minds that we've been reading or that we've been studying or that we've heard in a message or that we've been memorizing. He'll bring wisdom to us on how that we should respond in a way that's higher than the normal ways, in a way that's above those ways. God will speak to our hearts. And he will show us how to walk in a way that's higher, to go to higher ground. John chapter 15 verse 5 says, Yes, I am the vine. That's Jesus speaking there. He says, I'm the vine and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. So we are just a branch and we're all attached to the vine who is Christ. And as we are remaining in him and he is remaining in us, as long as we stay close to him, as long as we stay attached to him as the vine, he says we will produce much fruit. But then he goes on to say, for apart from me, you can do nothing. So we need to remain. We need to stay and not move away from our relationship with God. We don't need to drift away or wander off. We need to stay in that close relationship with with him. It says, because apart from him, if we drift away or if, if we become detached from our relationship with God, if we're no longer abiding in the vine who is Christ, it says that apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Have you come to that place in your life where you recognize, you know, I'm totally dependent on God. No matter what it is that I am trying to accomplish in my life, I can't do it apart from him. I need his help. I need God's wisdom and God's guidance and God's strength. Because as we were talking about recently, you know, without him, I'm, I'm just as weak as water, you know. I need that infusion of Christ in me uh, to accomplish anything. And so we recognize that our total dependence is upon God. Our productivity in our life is really directly related to our relationship with God and our allowing his word to transform us. If we somehow become detached from that, we're going to shrivel up. We're, gonna, we're just going to shrivel up and, and fall off the vine. You know, so we need to stay close to him. He, he goes on to say, anyone who does not remain, who does not abide in me, is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile and burned. But if, now this is, the, this is the question here. That means we have a choice. If you remain in me, if you make yourselves at home in Christ, and my words remain in you, if you allow his words to be at home in you and to transform your life. Now here's a great promise. If we remain in him and allow his words to remain in us, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. 
that is phenomenal. What a promise that if we remain in him and his words remain in us, we can ask anything and it'll be granted. You know, anything? He says anything. You can ask anything. And then, you, you know, you start thinking about that. Okay. The key to it is, is remaining in him and his words remaining in us. Because if we're in that place of really abiding in him in that way, we're not going to ask for anything that, that he's not going to give. We're, our, our petitions and our prayers are going to be in line with his will and his word because we're, we're in that place. We're, we're walking on higher ground. We're in a place of, of oneness with Christ and oneness with God. So we're not going to just be asking for selfish things but we're going to be asking things according to his will. What a promise that is. It says, and it goes on to say that in verse 8, when you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory. This brings honor to God. It brings great glory to my Father. So a true disciple is known by their fruit. What kind of fruit are we producing? You know, what do people see when they look into our lives? What kind of fruit is there? You know, and, and this is, this is a, 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 a very revealing fact about our lives. Are the fruit of the Spirit growing in our lives? Is the love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, and all those things growing in our lives so that people can see that we are truly followers of Christ, that we are disciples of Christ? Probably where the rubber really meets the road is in our homes, you know. Uh, in our homes is where we really can know, are, are you really living it? You know, are you really a true disciple of Christ? You know, some people can think, well, you know, at home I should be able just to let my hair down and be who I really am. Uh-uh. God, it matters to God how you are in your home. Because, you know, you can act anyway when you're out in public. But it matters to God how we are in our home. So are, are you exemplifying being a... Christ follower, a true disciple in your home. Are the fruit there? It says, when you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. And that's what God would have. Are we remaining in Christ or are we going AWOL? You know, are we going AWOL, like the, the military term that means absent without official leave? Are we, are we wandering off from Christ? You know, he, he never gives us official leave. He wants us to remain in him day by day, moment by moment, connected with him so that, he'll, that we'll have the power, the wisdom, and everything that we need to live a godly life, to live a, a life on higher ground with higher ways, his ways, higher thoughts, his thoughts. Exodus chapter 24, if we go on, it says, So Moses, this is going back to Moses, and his assistant Joshua set out. And Moses climbed up the mountain of God. So they obeyed God and went up the mountain. And Moses told the elders, you stay here and wait for us until we come back. Aaron and her are here with you. If anyone has a dispute while I'm gone, consult with them. Then Moses climbed up the mountain. So he went to the higher ground. He climbed up the mountain and the cloud covered it. The glory of the Lord settled down on Mount Sinai. God was in that cloud. And the cloud covered it for six days. And on the seventh day, the Lord called to Moses from inside the cloud. So Moses was there on the mountain. And if you can picture, it was like there was a mountain and then the, the cloud was up on the summit of the mountain. And Moses was just below that summit. And God called to Moses from inside the cloud. And he... Uh, 
as he called to Moses, he told him to come on up. He, and says, to the Israelites, so at the foot of the mountain, the glory of the Lord appeared at the summit like a consuming fire. Where Moses was, it looked like a cloud. But from down below, it looked like a consuming fire. And so Moses disappeared into the cloud as he climbed higher up the mountain. So he went into the very presence of God again. He remained on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. Wow, you know, that's, that's a pretty good chunk of time that he remained there in the presence of God. He climbed up higher. He was there on that mountain with God in his presence, and God gave him the Ten Commandments at that time. In 1 Corinthians chapter 7, it says, All of you, slave and free both, were once held hostage in a sinful society. Then a huge sum was paid out for your ransom. We've all been held hostage in the sinful society, and we, we are a part of it. You know, we're not only in it, but we're a part of it before we receive Christ into our lives. But once we become disciples of Christ, Christ followers, once we're born again, the scripture says that we're in the world, but we're, we're not of the world. We, we live by a different standard. We, we take on God's higher thoughts and God's higher ways. And we walk in those. And um, as we're recognizing that that old sinful world is constantly trying to pull us back, though. It's constantly trying to get us to go back into that, that sinful society. But it says here that a huge sum was paid out for our ransom. That is awesome news. You know, God paid the price through sending Jesus Christ, his son, to die on the cross for us, to pay our ransom so that we don't have to live in bondage to the sinful society that we live in. God has called us to a higher life. And it goes on to say, so please don't, out of old habits, slip back. You know, some people call that backsliding. Slip back into being or doing what everyone else tells you. Back into those old ways. Back into those old ways of thinking. Those lower ways. God says, you know, don't go back there. Don't slip back into those ways. God would have us to stay steady, to stay in our relationship with him, not to descend down into the valley or into the, the miry pits as it talks about in, in the book of Psalms. God wants us to, to stay steady, to stay in our relationship with him, not to go back into the ways that we used to walk in. You know, there is peer pressure. And so many times we talk about peer pressure doing everything that everyone else tells you to do with kids, you know, in school, little kids and, and their friends. We talk about peer pressure there. But that peer pressure doesn't stop, stop once you graduate high school. You know, it goes on with you in college, I think even hot and heavier, you know, because there's pressures there in college. You're away from your home and, and you have opportunities to do things that you maybe never would have even thought about doing when you were living in your home. And you're presented with thoughts and principles that are maybe far beyond what you grew up believing in. And there's pressure on you to conform to the way that your things are being presented to you by your peers, but also sometimes by the professors themselves. And especially in the day we live now. You know, there's, there's some things going on in our colleges that are downright scary, you know. Um, but... God is calling us to go up higher. So the peer pressure is still there, still there. But it doesn't stop once you graduate from college. It goes on to the workplace. You feel 
peer pressure from your family, possibly even. So, but God is saying, you know, I have a, I have a higher ground for you to walk on. I have a higher, higher thoughts and higher ways for you to, to take hold of and to walk in. So this is what God would have us to do. You know, don't let yourself be pulled back down. You know, and don't let yourself be pulled back down by the sins and the temptations, but also by other people. We need to be careful who we hang around with. You know, there's, you probably remember the, the, the thing about if you go to, uh, you know, to go crabbing or if you go to uh, hunt for crawfish, crayfish, you don't need a lid on that bucket because the crabs will climb up. You know, one crab will try to climb up and get out of the bucket and another crab will grab it and pull it back down. You know, another one will crowd it out and another crab will, it, uh, they can't escape. It's the same way with crayfish. That the other ones down there will not let another one get out. And, and sometimes that's the way, some relationships are that way, you know. People just keep pulling us down and pulling us down and pulling us down and pulling us down. And we, we need to, to put some boundaries around us with people like that, you know. We need to hang around balcony people. You know, and be a balcony person as well. You know, balcony people are always saying, come on up here. You know, it's great. They're encouraging you. They're building you up. They're lifting you up. They're speaking God's word to you and, and speaking the truth and love to you. And, 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 and not hang around people that are basement people. Basement people are always pulling you down, pulling you back down. You know, speaking negative things to you. You know, making you feel negatively about yourself. But we need to hang around the, the kind of people that will encourage us to go to higher ground. Uh, and we'll, we'll, we can be there to encourage them as well. We need to be balcony people and to encourage people in that way too. And so it goes on in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, in verse 29, it says, I do want to point out, friends, that time is of essence. There is no time to waste. And I think we're living... Uh, that same place right now. Time is of essence. There's no time to waste. So don't complicate your lives unnecessarily. Don't our lives get complicated really quickly? You know, they, and they get complicated unnecessarily. You know, and then it goes on to say, keep it simple. I love that. Keep it simple. You know, keep it simple, saints. I'm not going to say, you, get to this. <laughs> you know, keep it simple, stupid. I think that's the, the K-I-S-S. A lot of people, but keep it simple, saints. You know, we need to keep it simple. We don't need to let things get so complicated. And it's interesting that the first thing he says is keep it simple in marriage. Marriage can get complicated really quickly, you know, if we're, if we're not careful. But we need to keep it simple. We need to keep it simple. Um, knowing that God has called us to marriage, those of us that are married, you know, one man, one woman, you know, God has called us to marriage and, and to recognize that we have an enemy that would like to tear that down. We have an enemy that would like to divide and conquer our marriages. So we, we need to keep things simple. And when things start getting complicated, we need to go to God and let him give us the wisdom to get that, that simple listening to his higher ways, walking in his higher ways back in order in our lives. Keep it simple in marriage, in grief, in joy, whatever. Even in ordinary things, your daily routines of shopping. Shopping can get kind of complicated sometimes, you know. Uh, it says keep it simple, even in shopping and so on. Keep it simple. Stay. That's, that will keep us on the high ground to keep it simple and not let things get so complicated. You know, we, things get complicated sometimes just by advertisements. Um, it can get complicated by Internet. 
it can get complicated by social media and by TV and by news and entertainment. Those things can begin to drag us down if we expose ourselves too much to those things. And he goes on really to say that. He says, deal as sparingly as possible with the things this world thrusts at you. And we've got things being thrust at us every minute of every day, you know. The things of the world are being thrusted at us through these different ways, through advertisement and internet and social media and TV and news and entertainment. And, and all these things, you know, are being thrust on us, but we need to deal with those as sparingly as possible. Don't just cons allow yourself to be consumed and obsessed with those things every moment of every day. You know, you're going to miss a lot if you do. You know, God has some higher thoughts and higher ways, a higher ground that he's calling each of us to. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 10 says, The name of the Lord is a strong fortress. The godly run to him and are safe. A strong fortress is a, is a high ground, a high place that we can go in God and that we can be hidden there from the things that would try to attack us, the things that would try to drag us down. We can run to him and are safe. It says the rich, in verse 11, think of their wealth as a strong defense. Is wealth a strong defense? I don't think so. I don't think so. It can crumble away, you know, in a matter of moments. Wealth is not a strong defense. It says they imagine it to be a high wall of safety. Our wealth is never a high wall of safety. It is never high ground. Our relationship with God is the only way to be on high ground. Amen. Listen to what the psalmist says. In Psalm 31, it says, verse 3, You are my cave to hide in, my cliff to climb. God is that higher ground that we need to climb to, that we need to go to. Be my safe leader. Be my true mountain guide. God wants to lead us to higher ground and to a closer relationship with him. You know, Ronnie knows our mountain behind our house, and there's 600 and some acres that attach to it in the uh, Ragged Mountain Foundation. And, uh, you know, but he knows a good part of all of that. And he, he hikes it in the daylight, but more often he hikes it at night. And, but he knows it. I mean, there's been times when people have been lost on, on the mountain and they've called on him to, to help find them because he knows, he knows that mountain. And he knows all the nooks and the crannies. He knows the trails, but he knows off the trail because he likes to do what he calls bushwhacking. He likes to go off the trail and, and just explore everything uh, that is there to be explored. And he knows where to find water up there, where there's not a whole lot of water up on our mountain. I wish there was a stream, but there's not. Uh, but th there's some water up there to be found, and he knows where to find it. And we need to recognize that, you know, and like Ronnie would be a good mountain guide up there, God is the best mountain guide. He knows where everything that we need is. He knows where the dangers are in life. He knows where the places of refreshment are, the places that we can be refreshed by drinking pure water. He knows where everything that we need is. And we need to allow him to be our mountain guide. Psalm 61 verse 2 says, When I'm far from anywhere and down to my last gasp. Okay, now, he, he's talking about sinking here. He's, he's really struggling here. He said, I call out, mountain guide. He calls out to his mountain guide, guide me on high rock mountain. So no matter how low we get, we can always call out to God, our mountain guide, that he would lead us to high rock mountain, that he would lead us to himself. 
God brings us to the high ground. You know, and when we're on the high ground, look what verse 3 says. You've always given me breathing room, a place to get away from it all. When we are in that place in our relationship with God, we have room to breathe. You know, when you're up high on a mountain, the air is clear, it's fresh. You know, you can see for, from far and wide. You're away from the pressures. You're away from the stress. And God will bring us to that place in him. It goes on to say in verse 4, a lifetime pass to your safe house, an open invitation as your guest. You know, in the last couple years, we purchased a lifetime pass to the national parks. Ronnie reached that age, and we got that pass, you know. (laughs) And uh, maybe I'm at that age now, you know, but I just go on with his pass. But anyway, um, and so now we can get into national parks free. We can camp at a reduced rate, you know, in national parks. And there's all kind of benefits to this thing that costs, you know, way less than $100. And, uh, and what a blessing that we can take advantage of that. But God gives us a free pass, an even better free pass than just going to the national park. He gives us a lifetime pass into his presence to be with him. Anytime, 24-7, we have an open invitation, a lifetime pass to spend time with God, to, to gain his higher thoughts, to gain wisdom on how to walk in his higher ways. He gives us that invitation. He actually says in Hebrews, I don't have it on the the PowerPoint presentation, but he says to come boldly to his throne of grace. We don't have to come sheepishly. We don't have to to crawl in, you know, and, you know, think of fear that God's going to strike us down. He says that we could come boldly to his throne of grace and we could obtain mercy and we could obtain grace to help us in our time of need. What an open invitation, a lifetime pass into the presence of God. Psalm 34, verse 9 says, Be kind to me, God. Now, this was David after he had committed adultery with Bathsheba and after he had had her husband killed. Now, David, he says it here, Be kind to me, God. I'm in deep, deep trouble again. Okay, so he was in deep trouble. I've cried my eyes out. I feel hollow inside. You know, when we sin, we just feel empty. You know, when we are just, you know, in the depths of that sin, we feel empty, we feel void, we feel aimless. He says, my life leaks away, groan by groan. He was absolutely miserable. My years fade out in size. My troubles have worn me out, turned my bones to powder. He's wasting away from within here. In Psalm 32, it goes on. And when I kept it all inside, when I refused to confess my sin, when I was just bound by my sin, he said, my bones turned to powder. Again, he used that term. My words became day-long groans. The pressure never let up. There was always gravity, the gravity of sin, pulling him down, weighing him down. All the juices of my life dried up. Then I let it all out, David says. He confessed his sin to God. He said, I will make a clean breast of my failures to God. Suddenly, the pressure was gone. God forgave him. The pressure was gone, and he recognized the freedom from the guilt and the shame when once he finally confessed his sins. You know, I would encourage you. This needs to be something that you do quickly, anytime that you sin. And especially, you know, if, if you uh, recognize that you've blown it 
I would say immediately go to God. But at least at the end of every day, you need to make sure when you lay your head on your pillow at night that you're in right relationship with God, that you don't let the weight of your sin cause you to be miserable because it will. It will will haunt you when you don't confess your sins to God. Why not get free? Why not come to God and humbly ask for forgiveness? He's already paid the ransom for each one of us. And we can come. And then we can sleep in peace, you know? But we need to come and... Allow God to forgive us, to ask for his forgiveness, to repent, to turn around from our sins. And David went on to say, my guilt dissolved and my sin disappeared. Hallelujah. That's a wonderful thing. You know, when God frees us from the guilt and the shame, it's difficult to climb higher with sins of our past, the sins of last year's sins or even yesterday's sins. It's hard to climb higher. Let's Let it all out. Let's confess our sins and get clean and climb high. Climb to high ground in 2019. Because that's what God would have us to do, to be able to to walk free of those things that would burden us down. You know, I've, I've gone hiking before up our mountain, and it's a very steep climb. And if I have too much in my backpack... It's, it's really hard. If I'm carrying too much weight because you're climbing up and it's, you have a tendency to lean back if you've got too much weight on your back and I could just go tumbling back and wind up back down at the bottom, you know? So we just need to be careful in our lives not to carry the weight of sin. You know, we need to get rid of it on a day-to-day basis. In verse 6 of Psalm 32, it says, These things add up. Every one of us needs to pray. We need to be close to God. We need to be communicating with Him. Because it says, Then when all hell breaks loose and the dam bursts, we'll be on high ground. We'll be untouched. We'll be in right relationship with God. So when the adverse circumstances come, we'll be able to respond with God's higher ways and His higher thoughts. God is my my island hideaway keeps danger far from the shore, throws garlands of hosannas around my neck. Let me give you some wise advice, some good advice. I'm looking you in the eye and giving it straight. In verse 8, the New Living Translation says, the Lord says, I will guide you on the best pathway for your life. If we stay in that close relationship with God and He is our mountain guide, He's going to guide us on the right trail. Are you following God's trail? That's the trail that God, he wants to lead you on that best pathway. No matter what decisions you have to make in your life, God wants to lead you. And he would cause you to sometimes choose something different than what you might normally choose. His ways are higher than our ways, but they're so much better than ours. He goes on to say, don't be ornery, bad-tempered, irritable. Stubborn is basically what it's saying. Ornery, I think, is a southern term. You know, it sounds like it. But (laughs) like a mule or a horse or a mule that needs a bit and bridle to stay on track. To stay on track with God, we need to put away that irritableness, the bad temper. We need to put away stubbornness. God defiers are always in trouble. People that refuse to go God's ways, they're always going to be in trouble because they're always going to be choosing the wrong path. They're always going to be saying the wrong things, doing the wrong things, living the wrong ways, and they're always going to be in trouble. But God affirms those that are in agreement with God, those that want the higher ways and choose to walk in his higher ways and choose to think the higher thoughts. It says here that God affirmers find themselves loved everywhere they turn. 
Everywhere they turn, every time they turn around, they're going to experience God's love. Celebrate God. Sing together, everyone. All you honest hearts, raise the roof. Because it's when we're in that place that we can truly praise. When we're in that place, we can truly worship. We can raise the roof with our praise and our worship to God. That's high ground. That's the high ground God's talking about. Psalm 62, it says, God, the one and only, says, I'll wait as, or God, the one and only, says, I'll wait as long as he says. Do you wait on God or do you barrel through life hastily doing things on your own? Are you impatient? Are you not taking the time to ask God what he would have you to do? We need to slow our pace down sometimes. We need to be slow and steady, you know, recognizing that there's plateaus and there's valleys. There's always an uphill climb. There's always a way to get closer to God. And it goes on to say in Psalm 62, everything I hope for comes from him. So, so why not? He's the solid rock under my feet, the breathing room for my soul. He's an impregnable high castle, that high ground. I'm set for life. My help and glory are in God. Granite strength and safe harbor God. So trust him absolutely, people. Absolutely. Your trust can absolutely be totally on God. Our total dependence on him. Lay your lives on the line for him. God is a safe place to be. Listen to what Paul says in Philippians chapter 3. He says, I'm not saying that I have this all together, that I have it made. And I'm surely not saying that either. He said, but I'm well on my way. I'm going in the right direction. None of us have arrived. None of us is perfect. None of us can say we've got it all together. But are we going in the right direction? Are we seeking God's thoughts and his ways? Are we seeking high ground? But I'm well on my way, reaching out for Christ, who has so wondrously reached out for me. That's the high ground. Friends, don't get me wrong. By no means do I count myself an expert in all this. But I've got my eye on the goal, the high ground, where God is beckoning us onward and upward to Jesus. High ground comes, but there's, as we go up to high ground, we'll recognize that there's always gravity pulling us down. There's, it's, going to high ground is not easy. I'm not going to say that it's easy. There's always obstacles in our way, or there may be weights that need to be cast off, just like I was saying before. Um, let's identify the weights that need to be cast off in our lives? What are the things that are hindering us from going to high ground in God? Is it sin? Is it some habits that we have? You know, is it some hurt that we have hung on to? What is it that is hindering us? You know, a few years ago, I fell on black ice on our driveway when I was sledding with the grandkids. And I fell especially on my left knee, and I hit my right knee too, but not as bad. And I, you know, it's been a problem ever since. And if you ever see me going upstairs, everybody's saying, you okay? I'm like, yep, I'm doing good, you know. But I I baby this knee here, you know, and it it swells and it hurts. And, you know, and I I go up one step at a time. You know, I put my right foot down and lift my weight up. You know, my my right leg's getting good and strong. (laughs) But, uh, But I have to take it one step at a time. And that wound, though, that injury has hindered me from going up the mountain for the last three years. I just can't make it, you know? And, and I, I, I want to make it. I want to go because Ronnie loves it up there, and I can go part of the way, but it's steep, and, I just, and it's not even just the climb up. It's the, it's the walk down 
that is so hard on your knees, you know, and so recently, uh, you know, he said, come on, let's go, you know, and it was getting dark, and I, I'm, I'm not the mountain hiker in the dark that he is, you know, although I know he's great at it, you know, I just, uh, so anyway, we started up, and I got about three quarters of the way up, and I'm like, you know, my, my knee is a pounding right now. And if I, if I go on up, I don't know how I'm going to get back down. So we headed back down. Um, so that wound has hindered me. It's held me back. Are there wounds in your life that are hindering you from going to higher ground with God? God wants to heal those wounds, whatever they are. He, if, if there's weights, you know, if you've got too much in your backpack, he wants to help you empty that stuff out, empty out the sin, empty out the habits, empty out the things that are holding you back from going to higher ground. You know, um, but I'm determined this year, you know, my knees hurt anyway. Why not just push on up, you know? So Ronnie and I are working our way up. You know, he's working with me to eventually, this year, my 60th year, I'm going to make it all the way to the top. And I'm going to do it. Yeah. Um, and I'm hoping to do it sooner than later so that I can just keep, still keep doing it throughout the year, you know? Uh, it's kind of tough when there's ice on the mountain, you know? Uh, so, uh, but, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep working at it, you know? And step by step, we we can push on forward to get to higher ground. And you can do that in your life, whatever it is that's hurt you or holding you back. God is calling you up to high ground. It says uh, here in, um, this is verse 13 of Philippians chapter 3, or actually verse 14, I'm often running and I'm not turning back. Let's go often running towards God. Let's don't turn back. Let's keep focused on the goal, as it says here, of a closer relationship with God. Those of us who want everything that God has for us. Do you want everything that God has for you? It's all good. It's all good. So why not go for it? Why not go for everything he has for us? Any of you, if any of you have something else in mind, something less than total commitment, God will clear your blurred vision. You'll see it yet. You know, sometimes, you know, if we examine our hearts, we may look and see, you know, I don't have total commitment to God. I don't have total commitment to walking on higher ground. If we're walking in that place, if there's anything less than total commitment, God just says to come on close to Him. He'll give us clearer vision. He will, he will cause that commitment to be through and through in our lives. And then in, um, as He does that, he, He'll say, now that we're on the right track, let's stay on it. You know, don't allow yourself to drift off the trail. Psalm 6, uh, 121 verse 1 says, I look up to the mountains. Does my strength come from the mountains? No. You know, I love the mountains, but I don't worship the mountains. Does our strength come from them? No. Our strength comes from the maker of the mountains. And that's what the psalmist says. My strength comes from God who made heaven and earth and the mountains. You know, as we are allowing God to speak to our hearts and nudge us to come up higher, Let's, let's raise our hand and say, yes, Lord, I want to come. I want to come up higher with you. I want to go up to higher ground with you. That is what God is calling each of us to do. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you, Lord, that you are constantly calling us into a closer relationship with you to learn your higher ways, to think your higher thoughts. And, Father, that you've provided your word to instruct us in your ways. 
And Father, you've provided fellowship with you and with others to help us to stay on the right course, to, to go step by step to higher ground. And Lord, we say right now, we want to walk on higher ground with you. We want to leave the past behind. We want to leave the weights behind. We want to leave the hurts behind. We want to leave the habits behind. We just want to grow in our relationship with you, knowing that when we're there with you, Father, that you're going to work all things together for good. Father, that you've got everything under control, and we can trust you. Father, call us up to that higher ground. This week, let us obey you and do what we can do to grow in our relationship with you by spending time with you in prayer, by spending time with you in your word, by spending time with you in worship and in praise, and, Father, by growing closer to you day by day. If there's anybody here and you've not even begun that journey, you, you have not recognized that God wants to be your guide and that God wants to be your, your Lord and that Jesus has come to be your Savior, if you have not become born again, and that is your heart's desire today, would you pray with us? Will you begin your journey with God today, learning His higher ways and His higher thoughts? And those of you that have already made that commitment, will, will you join us as we pray out loud? Dear Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me so much that you sent your Son, Jesus, to die on the cross for my sins. I'm sorry for my sins. Please forgive me and give me that new life that only you can give. I believe that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. I give it all to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you.